Many of you guys know Father Mike Schmitz as the number one podcaster in the universe or on earth, which whatever scale you want to use. Um, I, I, I met Father Mike Schmitz long ago and just experienced him as a great priest from the, cent- the great central north. Hardworking, blue collar, good guy priest who's just available to people to serve them. Um, so yeah, it, it's crazy that someone who does something holy would hit number one podcast. But let's back up a little bit. There's something really crazy in a postmodern world that's that's rejecting faith, that's saying we don't need faith, or even demonizing faith. There's something really crazy about becoming a priest. Like, what's wrong with you? What happened? What would make you, a normal guy, become a priest? Um, and then and then being a priest who keeps a smile on in the midst of a world that's that's falling away from faith more and more. So I want to dig into that story. You might have one or two things to say about Hopefully. that. Hopefully. <laughs> Thank you so much, Thanks, Chris. man. And, and uh, by the way, we are in the Schmitz cabin. Yeah. This is a, you've never like done no. an interview in the Schmitz cabin. No, never. This is the first time. D- exclusive. I, I, yeah, it's an exclusive <laughs> interview. With the mission. Thanks to our missionaries of joy who make this possible with your monthly gift. If you're not one, become one. Go to reallifecatholic.com. Give monthly. Uh, and they're watching live right now. That's why I have my computer in front of me. If you guys have questions or comments you want to bust into our conversation, we'll we'll just let you interrupt us. Um, and I got to tell you, though, there, there's something really cool about being here. Like I've seen you amped up in so many atmospheres, yeah. and there's like a deeper level of relaxed Father Mike here. <laughs> is that when I pull in here, I'm just like, okay, <sighs> this is great. It's just even this this. I mean, the floor here. I love the floor in this room. It's something about it. Just like, I don't know. Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's, it's just so cool. Like, it I remember really when my mom picked it out and everything. And mm. so we have retreats here. This is this is like like the room that we pack in 60 students oh, uh, cool. and have uh, a retreat twice a year. And we just had it maybe, what, uh, a month ago? That is so cool. A freshman. And then in a couple months, we'll have our seniors and grad students come back for like. Right uh, here. Yep. And we just gather. I sit on the little hearth over there and just gather around That's here awesome. and they all just pile in and. Yeah, it's just it's something. I'll come help you someday with that. Thank you. If I could, if I could fish out there, it's my payment. That's we can do that. You can fish there. I'm, I'm, I'm in. It's legal. Yes. (laughs) Well, let's start at the start. Um, You know, having become a priest is obviously indicative of this guy's really, really into Jesus. (laughs) Right. Hopefully, it helps. I imagine. Yeah. I mean, I guess tragically, there are people who you could see that aren't. I don't know what happened or why they became priests. I mean, how many times have you heard? You know, was it? Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, making intentional disciples, Sherry Waddell. Sherry Waddell, yeah. yeah, who had talked about how um, there were some and some seminaries, and some seminaries had not yet yeah. either heard the gospel or encountered the Lord, and like as a, and said yes as a response to Him, as opposed to oh, I'm saying yes to a lifestyle, I'm saying yes to the church, which isn't is that wild? Fine, but like the heart of it has to be I've encountered Jesus and He changed my life, and now what do you want me to do? And, oh yeah, yeah. No, no, my my. Life's mission is basic evangelization 101. Give mm-hmm. talks where invite people to say a prayer where they accept Jesus into their life. Yeah. And some people think that sounds Protestant. Like, you don't know what Catholic is if you think that sounds <laughs> Protestant. Right. You know, but but it's usually people who have been going to Mass for years right. who need that most. And, and you're right. Like, even priests, sometimes bishops, yeah. As, yeah. we've all seen the news, yeah. haven't had that encounter. Well, um, I, one of the, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, no, one please. of the things when it came to the Bible, and any need the catechism in here, both podcasts, People who say, have said, I've gone to Mass my entire life. I've been a Catholic my whole life. And this is the first time, not only have I read through the Bible, the first time I have an idea of who God really is. And that he likes me. Yeah, exactly. And just it's a whole different thing. And to realize that that is a gift. So on one hand, it's a tragedy because yeah. that means who are all the people who, I mean, this is someone who decided to press play on a podcast that was 365 days. How many other people are just showing up and not? But at the same time, the power of God's word that changes lives. They just got, they just got to hear him speak to them mm. through his word. And then in that, they had to make a decision because there are some people also who have written back to me. Yeah. And they've said, I don't like this. Like I, I'm re- listening to the Bible and you're explaining it just fine, but I don't like the God who is being revealed here because they had a vision of God that was like, I always like the Hallmark Channel God. That was like, no, everything's all nice. And it's my like, function is to be therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, invisible therapeutic, therapeutic. Yeah, exactly. Force for you. And and I remember there was an email, or it was a letter maybe, I'm not sure. But there was a woman who was on day four of the Bible in a year. And she's mm. like, mm, I don't like this. I don't like any of these stories. And because uh, I think she picked out, like, here's Noah's Ark, but without the... <laughs> Of the destruction of the whole world. It's like, I like the animals. Animals on a boat. That sounds great. <laughs> That's cute. But like the fact that, wait a second, there's so much evil that God did something? 
I don't know if I like that. Oh uh, yeah. And so I mean, which is yeah. I don't mean to make fun of her. No, in that no, sense, I hear you. But in that that reality of when I can't just pick and choose my version of God, yeah. But I have to say, oh God, this is who you've revealed yourself to be. Now I have a really clear decision. The decision is either, I mean, it's the, it's the decision of Jesus in Jerusalem. Mm. It's either crucify him or my Lord mm. and my God. Mm. And yeah. Mm. I, our brains work very similarly because the, the initial threat is my question is still in my mind, but we're out here right now and I want to go out here a little further <laughs> okay. and then it all, it all ties in. Stay with me. But I, I think some people don't like how personal God is, the, the real God revealed in the Bible mm-hmm. because, and, and, and they prefer, and you see this becoming popularized, like I, I, I'm spiritual but not religious. Right. Right, which also the devil, by the way, he's spiritual, spiritual. But not religious. Um, yeah, you can't find anyone more spiritual than the devil. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but but they prefer they prefer God who's a vague force right. who just makes me feel a certain way, because if you have wounds in your life, like that level of closeness and intimacy is literally painful. Yeah, that much love is painful, and then then it makes demands of you, yeah. like a God who would just say, "Hey, follow a couple rules." There's a simplicity. I, I, give me the equation. Yeah. Uh, but a, a God who would die for us, like that's like next level. So that we can have access to him. Like so that we can have a relationship with him. You know, so yeah. it's not just, oh, here's a God who will die for me because he loves me. Okay, I'll, I'll take it or leave it as long as I can stay over here. Yeah. But you did that for me so that I have now have uh, infinite access or, or um, constant access to your heart. Oh. And I don't know if I, do I want that? You know, it's just, it's so. Just, do I want that much love? Yeah. It's because, like you said, it's dangerous. It's painful, even I mean, and for any of us, it'd be painful. Isn't because, that amazing? Yeah, it burns. Because the, the first response, of course, you want that much love. It's like, no, no, no. Not everybody does. Yeah. yeah. And so, so hell is a choice that people make to to stay isolated forever. Yeah, yeah that it involves so much trust. I'm gonna be thinking about it the rest of the day. I think so. One of the things I think that is. I, genius. So I didn't come up with the reading plan for the Bible in a year. Yeah. Uh, people at Ascension based it around Jeff Cavins. Jeff Cavins, man. Yeah, super good. Super Brilliant. Good. But one of the choices they decided to make was the first month, we're not only reading Genesis and Exodus, we're also reading the book of Job. Mm. And The oldest book in the Bible. Right. It's the, it was, and that's why they did it because yeah. it's like, oh, it comes, it kind of predates everything. But also it, it sets up the entire question. And the question isn't, Good God, bad, you know, evil suffering, I mean, that's there. But the question is the question of Genesis chapter 3 is, okay, here's God and he's good, but do you trust him? Hmm. Like, will you trust him in Eden? Will you trust him in evil, in suffering? Hmm. And that's the question for all of us. And so, okay, God, you did this for me to win my heart, to restore our relationship. But if I get close to you, that means I have to start trusting you. And I don't know. That's hard. It's hard mm. for any, any, all of us. I, lo- I love in Job how he doesn't get the answers to the right. questions yeah. he's building God with. God yeah. just like, what, did, were you there when I laid the right. foundations of the universe? Like, I'm the answer. Here I am. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So how did you discover that God? So, uh, <laughs> so I was raised. Catholic. See, I got, I got the thread. See, it is right there. Back down. <laughs> I uh, was raised here in this town, a couple miles away from, yeah. fifteen miles away from us, and um, at my mom and dad and five siblings i'm the fourth of six and uh i got six yeah nice i have a little sister who uh you might meet tonight but she is pregnant with her sixth they're due in two weeks praise god from, yeah from tonight That's maybe incredible. tonight who knows maybe, we'll, maybe your talk will get them really inspired to just have a baby <laughs> that's awesome will she be at my talk tonight what she will be there that's awesome but uh but so so i and uh, we had to go to mass every sunday i always say we were a normal catholic family in the sense that we had to go to mass on sunday Our parents could so they did send us to catholic elementary school um we prayed before meals my mom would pray the rosary pretty regularly but never made a big deal about it like everyone on your knees you know she wasn't that wasn't a thing we read bible stories I remember right our first communion was a big deal yeah um i was given a, a comic book bible when i was my first holy communion yeah called the picture bible i think right now all my one. nieces and nephews i give them an action bible on their first communion oh it's, and so it's, great. it's the whole bible it's just it comic book the whole way through it's awesome oh it's awesome and man. uh so i would read those stories but like when it came to church i i didn't like church when it came to the church like going to mass i didn't like mass just um spaced out or your brain yeah, I mean, just too like fast I mean, for the prayers well, i don't know what it was i really don't know why because for other I didn't have any bad experiences other yeah, than just yeah. this is annoying and I'd rather do something else. And 
don't know what it was. But uh, the, the moment I've shared so many times is I was about 15 or 16 and what happened was not, there was no precipitating event that I can remember. It was just all of a sudden this awareness of like all those sins out there, like that's what I've done. Like, oh my gosh, like I, I remember even having the thought, like I, wait, wait where, a, where were you when I'm you a sinner. Like, I was just, you were at my house. You were just here and then you just, how old again? About 15 or 16. You just suddenly thought of. It was just the sense of like, oh, oh my gosh, like that's what I've done. It was this. That's in, incredible. It was. Uh, that's like Holy a grace Spirit, just boom. Completely Holy Spirit. Because not only was it Holy Spirit of like that sense of, oh my gosh, like I'm a sinner. Like, and I, I can't forgive myself. I need a savior. Like, bing, like, oh, you know, they've been giving me the answer my whole life. I didn't have the question. I didn't care about the question. And all of a sudden now I care about the question and I have the answer. Jesus. Okay. Well, so I knew two things and that's why I know it's the Holy Spirit. Cause as we know, the accuser leads us to a place of despair. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm horrible. It was conviction of, I need to pray and I, I need to go to confession. Those are my, the two, like, I, I, I didn't know how to pray. I'm, st I'm looking and, stunned because I am like, <laughs> I shouldn't be stunned. If like I had more faith in grace, I would be like, oh, of course that would happen. Right. Yeah. But like, here's a kid just said, moms and dads, please keep praying for your kids and for your grandkids. Yeah. Like, cause that, that makes a difference. Yeah. All your ministries probably because your, your mom was just praying for well, you so to that, have that experience. And I, just all of a sudden I like, am the whole sure. gospel summed up and I wish I also could say that at that moment, I became a good kid. I did not, but yeah. <laughs> I became a kid who had encountered God. So what happened was- What did it mean to you to be a bad kid? Were you like drink, oh, I'm, a lot I'm, of drinking and partying or like what was no, the thing? No, actually, so as an athlete, yeah. as a kid, a uh, young person, I, so I, my mom put, made us uh, join the swim team when we were six years old. And so not like swim lessons, like swim team. Yeah. And so that was a, and so my dad and my mom had always been uh, runners and triathletes and cross country skiers. And so it's a, always competing and so, for me, I know that people can be athletes and still do all those other things. But for me, I had also another number of siblings who had gone before me. And I saw them being great athletes, but also yeah. doing some other things on the side. And I was like, ah, I'm going to be different. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to do all these things. It's, it's kind of a, I remember seeing a statistic at one point that said X percent of 17-year-old Americans do X. And I was like, no, I'm wow. going to be in the minority. And so there's part of that is just competitive nature, right? Yeah, yeah, and, right, right. And uh, I don't want to be like a I remember my mom tricked me into drinking alcohol once. Did she I really? Was, yeah, I was, I was 17 or 18. We're on a family vacation. She's like, have this drink. And I'm like, is there alcohol? And she's like, no, it's just juice. I'm like, mom, is there alcohol? She's like, no, it's just juice. And I, multiple times. And she's like, just have it. So I drank it. And she's like, oh, juice and vodka or something. I, was, I was so mad. I'm like, no, like I <laughs> was not going to drink. <laughs> <laughs> go, go Minnesota mom. Yeah, She's like, ha, ha, ha. Um, but, but, but when I say bad is then I was a jerk. Um, yeah. so I had a temper and, um, really that's sad. the inner nemesis. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe not as much as father Larry talks about his own stuff. Father okay. Larry Richards talks about his own temper yeah. comes out. Mine doesn't come out like that anymore. Cause I think the Lord has healed a lot of that. Praise God. But, uh, but there was, a, I mean, just a lot of jerkiness and a lot of self-centeredness and, I just want to say a bad kid. I mean, the, mm -hmm. so encountered the Lord. Actually, sorry, I only encountered the Holy Spirit at conviction. And we needed to pray. And we needed to go to confession. And so I remember not to, I didn't know what the rules were when it came to confession. So yeah. I didn't know. Hey, Saturday mornings, that's when we have it. I was like, well, I know where the priest lives. So I just got on my bike and bike 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Oh my gosh. Like knocked on the door and he was there. And I was like, can I, Father, can I go to confession? Sure, come on in. So I remember going to confession. Praise and uh, I walked off of that porch. I can remember it so clearly because it was a, it's a moment. I had three thoughts. My first thought was, God, thank you so much. Like I walked in here, I was dead in my sins. Like I remember I have this sense of like, you freed me from my sins. Like I'm alive again. And my second thought was. I, I, just, I just, I just, I marvel. Yeah, it was. I love grace. It's incredible. It's so awesome. Because it wasn't like someone gave a talk or like I heard yeah, someone say yeah. something. It was just the Lord. And um my second thought was, God, if you ever want me to be a priest, I'll hear anyone's confession anytime they ask. And I'd never thought about being a priest because why would I? I didn't like going to mass. This is all right there. Yeah. And I just like, but it was just that first moment. And I look back and Pope Benedict in uh, God is Love. Yeah. That first page, what's paragraph Mind two. blowing. When he says, that, that being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty ideal. It's the result of an encounter with a person hmm. that gives one's life a new horizon and sets it in a decisive direction. Mm. I remember reading that and thinking, oh my gosh, that was then. Like the new horizon, the decisive direction, I can trace everything back to that encounter with Jesus in, in confession where I walked out, I had encountered him and I was so grateful 
And that was the first time the idea of the priesthood was really clearly present. And my first thought was like, oh, she's really cute. Like, but <laughs> other than that, like, it was that, that sense of like, oh. And so this, this progression of like learning more, knowing I needed to learn how to pray, I didn't know how to pray. Yeah. Um, but then also just all the ups and downs of like a normal high school. Uh, as, as your calling to priesthood got clearer and clearer, were you freaked out by it? Did you, did you, did you almost get married? Did you almost do some other career? I'd heard somewhere through the grapevine that you almost became Robin oh, so in that a was movie. Yeah, too, yeah. Like a, <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh, I, were you literally almost Robin in a Batman and Robin movie? In Batman Forever, yeah. I that's mean, crazy. I, so that's that. With the story they told, okay. I, the, the story's been told so many times. But I, I would say that as they told it to me, they said okay, you're, you're uh, among you guys, the twelve of us. You're the last twelve. Yeah. that we're looking at for Robin. And uh, so this is the final callback and we're gonna take video of y'all and send it to the director and he'll make the choice. Now, I don't know if that's how it goes or if that's what they yeah, tell yeah. all groups of 12 guys, yeah, or, yeah. you know, but that was the, uh, yes. But so, wild, so, so I was never really clear. Um, I was praying about it all through high school. I, re I remember very clearly when, I, uh, when my family found out that I was considering this and praying about it. How old were you? Probably sixteen, probably next Just the next, next summer. Year. Yeah, um, and uh, there was a, a missionary priest who had come to our parish, like just one of the country or one of the lake parishes. So we're in Lakes Country right now, so this is kind of like vacation yeah, area for Minnesota. And uh, and so summer parish, they had a summer mission, and we were there. I'm in the back with my mom, and the priest is like, "Someone here is you know called to be a priest," and I'm like, oh, "I'm not. It's not me." Right now they're thinking it couldn't possibly be them. I'm like, "Yeah, but my mom is here." And like right now they're thinking their family is no, here. No, I'm no, Like, yeah, but that's I don't I don't know if that's true. Right now they're thinking they don't know if it's true. And I'm no. like, oh, so I found myself like standing up and walking in the aisle and walking down the the, the center aisle and and uh, they prayed over me and some other people came forward too and um, back to the, to the pew and so my mom's like, really? And I was like, yeah, I don't know, you know. And uh, wow. So that I visited some seminaries in, in high school, and but it never really clicked. I, uh, okay. Every seminary visit I went on, um, I was also dating a girl at the time, so I just kept wanting to get back to see her. So it didn't really. Yeah. yeah. You know. How'd you break the news to her? Mm. And how old were you by the that, time you decided this so is that it? particular girlfriend broke up with me? Okay. So I had gone to college, and then and then she broke up with me, and uh, I was like, oh well, come, I'm kind of now free to discern um, a little more clearly. And so I, I discerned maybe a week or month or two and then dated someone else. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but, but then what happened was I was majoring in theology in college because I knew I wanted to keep my options open. And, you know, I, was, I worked in the campus ministry office there. I was going to daily mass. And when I graduated college, I was dating a, a woman, um, <clears throat> pretty serious, pretty seriously, amazing, incredible woman. Yeah. Um, but that was missionary. I decided I wanted to be, I wanted to be a missionary uh, in Central America with a group, uh, Salt, you know, the oh, Society of Our Lady. Man. Like um, every time I've spoken in the place where I'm thinking, this is the worst place I've ever been, Salt is there. Yeah. Society of the, the Trinity, like they, they pick places yeah. that are really So you've been difficult. to Benke, I think, right? Where? You've been to Benke Viejo del Carmen in, in Belize? No, I'm not I, Okay, mm -hmm. so that's what, that was our mission. It was on the border of Guatemala. Beautiful. And uh, so I went down there and, and this is also for parents, hopefully, because, so I had a conversion in high school, you know, 15, 16, and it didn't always show, right? Mm -hmm. So there was there was mm -hmm. times where just like, my mom would always say that. She'd be like, why? She says, always, people are on the street telling me how nice you are. Why can't you be nice to us? You know, like, I know, mom, I've I'm had, sorry. I've had kids like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, he's so well behaved. <laughs> like, he is? What? Well, at least in public, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so that was good because that was me at home, just, you know, not always very helpful. And then in college, what happened was, uh, kind of long story short is I, majored in theology and I yeah. took so many classes that I probably could have double majored in the one topic. Um, but I graduated with a four-year degree in theology, going to daily mass. I was a missionary at a Catholic mission teaching religion and I hated the Catholic church. Like just like hated the church. I mean, I would say Christian out loud, but I wouldn't even say Catholic because I really? just like everything. The church is all wrong. I Wait, mean, so you came along this far and then in college yeah. fell into a hatred of the church. Right. And, and I would just argue with people How? all the time. Well, I think... A, my own pride. So that's just number one thing is I have to blame, I have to recognize it myself. Yeah. Um, quick to do that. Secondly, or B, was um, whenever there was a, a big, like hot button topic yeah. that would come up in theology, I'd be like, yeah, why does the church say X? But even other Christians are fine with it. Such um, as? Contraception being a really big 
Yeah, uh, that, was a, that was the big one. Yeah, that actually, you know, which we, and I had no, I had no horse in the race. Like, I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. my girlfriend and I were pretty chased, you know, at the, the whole thing. I was like, there's no, it's not like I'm really amping for this, but it just yeah. seems so backwards. And I just was, and that was the first, first big question. And the, uh, so contraception, other things like that too. Um, and uh, I would talk to the monks, nuns, priests, uh, professors, like, so what is it? Why do we believe this? And there was no answer. It, the answer was, well, this Augustinian framework that says the body is bad and we're going to get past this. And just oh, it's so a matter they, of time. They were feeding your yeah. hatred of, yeah. of the church. And so, so I'm like, well, my hatred come out, came out of a place of we're just, we have no, what we're teaching makes no sense. Wow. And actually smart people don't think this is true. Wow. And uh, that's, that's, I want to be smart. That's the pride part. Like mm. smart people don't think this is true. I'm smart per person. Therefore, this is, you know, something I reject. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so just I. And, you can see that intellectual arrogance in some of the upper levels of the church sometimes. Yeah. When they think, anyway. I, I remember going. Go I mean, in classes and saying, "Well, the catechism says such and such." Well, yes, that's the yeah, catechism. Yeah, yeah. We're doing theology for those who lack the proper nuance, right? In yeah, their honestly, ministry. Yeah. And, you know? and so that's just. Uh, so I get down to the mission, and there were these this old priest and young priest. Uh, the old priest, Father John McHugh, is a co-founder of Salt, and yeah. he had been there. The priest before him was a Franciscan, who. Uh, the village right next to us was San Jose, and on the Feast of St. Joseph, they would go, I mean, they treat it like Mardi Gras. So mm. they'd have like a lot of drinking, a lot of just bad behavior. So the priest was saying, you guys, this does not honor St. Joseph. You have to stop this. And they were like, watch it, priest, or else something bad's going to happen to you. Wow. And uh, he didn't. He just kept preaching and like saying, you guys, let's call, let's honor St. Joseph, not this. So one day in the rectory, we would spend our time and we did our meals in. This guy walked up the stairs uh, into the rectory, into the kitchen where the priest was with a machete and just... Killed, cut off his head, killed him right there. No. And so Franciscans were like, okay, we're out. <laughs> and the bishop said, Father John, I know you're in Belize City. Could you come to Benkei? And he, Father John was this uh, priest from Oklahoma who had been a prisoner of war in World War II. Uh, he's like, okay, I'll go there. I'll go there for two years. And when I got down there, he'd been there for 26 years God in the same community. Him. He had built a elementary school. He had built a high school. He had started a printing press because the wow. kids who went to his school were so poor they couldn't afford books. So he was like, no, we're going to educate uh, these kids who no one else wants. And he's incredible guy. And I hated him so much. Because really? he, well, he was so Catholic. He was like, he was Catholic with a capital C. You know? Oh my like, gosh. And the young priest, Father Tony, Father Tony Blunt, uh, he's an insult still. Father John has passed on, but Father uh, Father Anthony, Father Tony's great. I hate them both. And so I would go to daily mass, though. This is the bad part. Well, that's all bad. But. This is the dichotomy. I mean, there's, there, I, there's so many self-loathing Catholics. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's less and less of them now because they just leave. Yeah. But you were in that place of like, I just, what, what I guess a sense of tradition or Oh, no, I was like, the Eucharist is true. I'm oh, like, so Eucharist is real. So where else are you going to go? So you but, felt stuck. Yeah. Where else should we go, Lord? Yeah, basically. Right, so I would go to mass, daily mass, yeah. and I would be like openly, you know, rolling my eyes, making all these like, this is ridiculous, shaking my head. Oh my I know now, but you know, when you're standing up in front, yeah, you can see all that. <laughs> like you can, you can see when people are making fun, <laughs> and I would just do that like they don't care. Um, long story short, uh, two things happened. One was I got really sick at one point, and they thought I was going to die. But Father Tony like ran over to my bedside, essentially with a. Anointing of the sick, uh, confession, you hold, uh, not confession, I didn't want What that. were you sick with? I don't know, but they, the, the, the pills they gave me were, they gave me the chemotherapy to kill whatever was in me. Oh my gosh. And so it was, I remember that hurting more than the sickness did. That was- uh, That's an intense story. Very painful. But Father Tony was there and I remember thinking, maybe he does know Jesus. Like because my, my out was, well, yeah, they fine, they know all these things, but they don't know Jesus, you know, kind of a thing. Here's this guy that I've been treating really poorly, wow. who runs my bedside after the, a massively long day of him serving. Um, I'm like, wow, even after I treat you like a jerk, you are here for me, like Jesus. And so that was, I should give Father Tony another chance. And so, yeah, I, it took me a couple weeks to recover wow. and then I got back and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna give Father Tony another chance. And then when I saw him again at one point, I was like, I don't like that guy, I hate that guy. Um, but the next thing that happened was uh, two weeks later, every other Tuesday he would teach the teachers. Yeah. and. Uh, I'm like, I'm not going to go to this. It was on Humanae Vitae, right? The church teaching openness oh, to yeah. life. I'm like, I'm not going to go to this. This is the crux issue. Right, yeah. I was like, this is ridiculous. I, I know all about that. And I said, no, actually, I'm going to go and I'm going to destroy him. Like, I'm going to demolish his argument because wow. I have a theology major, you know? Wow. And so I remember getting into that room and like sitting down in the back, like bring it on. And uh, 
he started, I thought he would say, well, you know, Pope, the Pope said such and such, therefore we have to believe it. He just started with this clear logic of, well, we all know this is true, right? Like, well, yeah. And we all know this is true, right? Yeah. Well, therefore this is, and I was like, halfway through his talk, I was just, when he got done. Wait, the church is right was, and I'm it was, wrong? It was, it was the, my whole world was spinning because I remember thinking, I was so wrong and the church is so right. Like the wow. opposite. And it was this incredible joy of being wrong because it was for the moment, it was the like- The joy of being wrong. I, can I just revel in that please, sentence for yes. a second? Yeah. It's a gorgeous sentence. Yeah. Because I had so much heaviness of like, well, the church is wrong. And no one's explained then how the church is right. Then you have to carry the weight yep. yourself. And so it's like, well, I'll hold on to it because of the Eucharist, but uh, I'll be embarrassed because of all the other things where the church is so wrong. And it was like, wow. no, I'm wrong. And the church is right, there's hope here. And oh it was just, gosh. it was it was awesome, but not awesome. Well, yes, yes and no. Because then it was like, what else am I wrong about? And that was like, oh, that had to be. So I was I was the, you know, theology major who had been schooling everyone. And like, but now I had to be the one asking questions and being like, what is that? What is that? Well, how come that is? If there's a crisis in the church right now, it's that it's that it's a crisis of fundamental posture toward mm. yeah. what's yeah. been revealed. You know, are, are we going to gather in councils and we determine what those people will all believe yeah or will we gather with a posture of openness to god and receptivity that he has revealed something and uh we're going to discover it and follow him as if, as if as if he's really lord and leading the church as if because he is right the like, lord is lord yeah and this is i'm not i'm not speaking against any synod but right. with every council in the synod, there's a spiritual battle and if there's one in this you can see it playing out yeah. that's it right uh and you 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 lost that battle yeah. in the right way so grateful Praise God. Yeah. And so, you know, so that was, that opened up a whole new thing of like, oh shoot, I never answered. You know, I, I honestly had been praying every day still. God, if you want me to be priests, let me know. Yeah, I'm still holding the thread. See, you are too. Yeah. Similar brains. So and you, so this is, this became I, like dominoes. The whole time I've been praying this, but I'm like, I'm not really open to it because, well, A, there's this awesome woman who's great. And, and the church is married wrong. To her, and the church is wrong. So like, why would I do that? Um, which is so funny. So, but that opened up the Incredible. door of like, wait a second. I need to figure this out. And uh, back to crisis mode, kind of, but at the same time it was crisis about this vocation, but not about the church anymore. Yeah. And so it's just like, and it wasn't like over in a night, but it was, uh, it was a, there was a big shift. So I'm gonna jump ahead, cause this is just, it's just, when it comes to parents, when it comes to family members who are like, oh, my brother's just driving me crazy cause my brother-in-law is driving me crazy cause he just is like, always wants to fight about the church. Um, and he says he's Catholic, but he's not is uh so years later spoiler i became a priest and uh <laughs> and my second year of seminary i there's a wedding a bunch of our missionaries yeah so out of the missionaries i was with like i think i don't know maybe five of us became priests three became religious sisters no way almost every other one married each other like it was it was awesome That's incredible. Like, this photograph i'm like they married each other they married each other they, yeah and uh so one of those weddings i caught father john and father tony they came back to minnesota for the wedding yeah and I caught him in the in the parking lot, and I was like, "Father, Father, I have to apologize." The first time I've seen this since I left uh, the mission. I said, "I just was. I, I know I was a jerk when I was down in Belize, and I just did it." And you would have thought that they had no idea. They'd be like, "Oh, no, no worry." They and knew. Th so then I thought, "Wait, did they not catch on that I was such a jerk to them? Like, that's so strange. Well, maybe I pulled it off. You know, who knows?" Okay. Then now, fasting forward, flashing forward to uh, I'm a priest <laughs> at UMD, University yeah. of Duluth. And we had a number of our students who are now SOLT uh, members. Society related to yep. the Trinity. Wow. And, and one of them, she, she's just turned out, but at the time, uh, she was in formation and Father Tony was her formator. And so she talked to her spiritual director and she said, Father, Father Tony, uh, Father Mike was, was my uh, priest in college. And he said that he gave you guys a really hard time. And she said, he sat there and he put his face into his hands and he started rubbing his temples. <laughs> and he's like, the number of nights that Father John and I stayed up saying, what are we gonna do with this guy? <laughs> like, like, are we, we have to send him home. Like, we can't have him teach. No these, way. You know, and, and like, no, we'll give him another shot. You give him another chance. And I'm like, really? Cause I, the impression I got was that they were like, no big deal, no oh, problem. Man. But he's like, no, so I was on the edge, right? They were in a place of like, Father John was so serious about like, we, you're teaching at my school. Oh yeah. And do you believe what 
we believe, you know, it, it was a really serious Praise thing the for Lord him. for him and, and for so, his lack of compromise. If he weren't clear, if he wasn't clear about the truth, you wouldn't be a priest yeah, today. I mean, well, that was the, that just set everything in motion. Another providential moment, the night that Father Tony did that, gave that, gave that talk on Juana Vitae. Yeah. The next day, I was leaving lunch from the rectory and Father John said, Mark, come back up here. And I'm like, okay, you know, Father. And he sat down and he was really distressed and he was kind of antsy about this. And he said, he said, I just have to ask, you know, I just have to ask, ah, where do you stand on the church's teaching on contraception? I was like, oh, Father, I'm in. Like, I, I, I the next day. That, wow. And you could see this like relief of just like, okay, like we can keep you here. Because wow. he was at that point of saying like, I just this, gotta give a shout out to people who don't compromise. It, Right. Uh, there's a clear push among clergy and someone asked what you think about what your take is on the synod. And I, I you know, actually, would you answer that real quick? Uh, not an expert, but here's yeah, what yeah. that here, here's the um, a thought. My hope, my hope your is hope with the, the synod, synod is. Um, and some of the appointments that I've seen uh, people on hot button issues yeah. is if the Holy Father is saying, I really want um to listen, then yeah. he hasn't, he's invited voices who disagree with the church in order to listen to those voices, not to change the church. Yeah. But to say, if we need to listen, if this is about listening, we're gonna to listen to people who disagree with us. Yeah. Now, if, if that, and that's my hope is uh, that, yeah, yeah. But, but identifying that we're listening to people who disagree with us, mm-hmm. not like, oh, this is another option. I think that's a very big distinction. Yeah, yeah, be, between saying that this is just, yeah, one way of seeing it, another way of seeing it, as opposed to, um, so I always, when the, our bishop presented this to us um, as, a, as a whole presbyterate, like all yeah. the priests in our diocese, a couple years ago, um, one of the, my big hesitations was about Paul VI um, and Humanae Vitae. Because yeah. we, we know that Paul VI, in order to answer the question on artificial contraception, he called in a bunch of people who he knew intentionally brought in who, who didn't, don't agree, didn't agree with the church's teaching. To hear them, and so to hear them all, to hear all of the arguments, and mm-hmm. then he says, "Okay, I've heard all the arguments, and here's the minority report that goes against what this majority had said." But the story we get is, yeah, there was the majority report that says change the church's teaching, but the Pope refused to listen to it mm-hmm. and said, "Here's the minority report." And so that's the narrative that I got mm-hmm. was, yeah, in in the face of overwhelming want desire for change, the Pope was stubborn. Mm. As opposed to the truth, which is, no, actually the Pope, knowing that they disagreed, said, I want to hear every voice so as to make the best decision or the best moving forward. Like, I'm not eliminating those voices. I'm listening to them to be able to restate in a more clear way the church's teaching. But the narrative we get is, yeah, the Pope refused to uh, go with the majority. Mm. My hope is that with the Synod, the Holy Father is saying, Let's hear all these voices, even voices who disagree, so that we can best know how to respond with orthodox teaching to voices that disagree with us. That's my hope. Praise God. I hope. You have my vote for next bishop or pope or some other, whatever <laughs> yeah. we can give you. Um, yeah. But there, that, that does mark all, all of your ministry. And I can see that that traces back to your conversion, your, your conversion after your conversion, yeah. your, your decision to become a priest. And it's that experience, that clear teaching is not inherently unwelcoming. Some people think that, that clarity is a closed door. Yeah. No, clarity is love. It's so much love that I'll put my neck out there and risk you hating me. Or in the case of that priest in Belize, like yeah. literally risk getting behind. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's not about me being nice, which would entail me making sure you like me. Right. But about being truthful. Lo- love demands truthfulness. Um, that's really unpopular. It's becoming more unpopular within the church. It's, it's very unpopular in the world. And you've seen a lot change in campus ministry over yeah. the years. Because the... Uh, my gosh, 17 years in campus ministry, right? Uh, this is it, sort of my 19th year. Sort of, God bless you. It's, it, things have gotten a little wonky, haven't they? H- how, <laughs> how, is, how would you sum up the, the challenge and the change? Because if there's any place where there's a canary in the mine with culture, yeah. it's on college campuses, right? Yeah. Where, where kids are literally programmed to summarize all of Western civilization and church history as the worst part of colonialism, their church history, done. Yeah. Or, um, oh, the Catholic Church, you're the group that, because there's a clear teaching about ethics sexually, you're the group that hates gays, right. done. So um, when you started campus ministry, hey, priest with a collar, hey, Father, how's it going? No, I, not so well, much. Yeah. I started in 0405, okay. right after 2002. Uh, so so yeah. it wasn't like that. I was like, what's he doing here? Maybe this is what's keeping you humble, brother. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I... I, I uh, 
also from a big family, you you can't go anywhere quietly. You know this. Yeah. There's no place you can like like. And I'm the middle of the of the eight of us or six of us, six kids. Yeah. And I always didn't like attention. Like we're all walking into a place. I'm like, why do we always have to be fighting? Someone's always having a bad day, no matter what you're doing. And it's just like you're making me feel better. I, about I don't, my family I don't right want now. to be seen. I don't want to be noticed. Like I just yeah. don't want to. And so similarly, kind of like the identifier is always kind of like ah, I just rather blend in. Um, yeah. In any kind of situation, um, and then, but to be able to say, but no, you have to go on campus. You have to be who you are, yeah. a representative of Jesus. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a stretch for some people. Some people love it. There's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I love people who are like that. I love people who walk into a room and they're like, yeah, I'm here. You guys, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, I'm more like, I'm here. I don't want to bother anyone. You know, kind of a situation. But yeah. um, going back to the campus, yeah, has it gotten worse? Uh, have you felt no. that experience? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, yes, in the sense of there's been a massive change. I mean, how thinking of how uh, issues like transgender has gone from being so like, oh, that's way, no one thinks about that, right. to everyone must think this about it in the space right. of six years. Oh, it's, oh yeah. It's yeah. like, wow, that, that happened really quickly. It's clearly become a fad. Right. Like yeah. you, you could see it. Uh, and and, and I, I say this with reverence to people with genuine gender dysphoria. Right. It's a suffering. It's a pain. And, and then... Um, Gosh, my uh, the whole thing's become a my 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 wife's cousin, her daughters in school in Los Angeles. They sat these nine nine year old kids around in the classroom, and they had them announce their their gender identity yeah. and their sexual orientation. She was the only kid who said, "I guess I'm straight," and all of the girls in her class said, "No, no, you have to be bi. No one's straight." Really? Like, yeah. Like this this is what's coming yes, into your campus. Yes. So that kind of stuff is is so that's like light speed happening change. Yeah. The, the, but I remember getting on campus and I experienced more opposition when I first arrived than I do now. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was more subtle then. And now it's kind of like people have their camps. Okay. Like, okay. Everyone's kind of, they've already going to reveal their flag in some ways. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there was a lot more hostility when I first arrived. Wow. Uh, it, so it was un, an unspoken, but now that it's spoken, it's like, okay, we're peacefully divided. Yet that's kind of sad too. Yeah, yeah, totally is. Because it's really, it's really hard. Like I, I, I'm a, you know, I consider myself an evangelist. It's for the most part the target audience is people who are already open, right? Because people who are closed, it's like they, they might as well. See, you got a Roman collar on. You might as well be wearing a Nazi outfit. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, I already I know what you're about. Yeah. Like I can't even. Yeah. Because hearing cases goes nowhere. One of the cool things about going to a gym. Yeah. Is I I, I went there for six months before anyone knew. That there was a father in front of the mic yeah. part, and I was like, "This is really interesting." Like, I'm getting for 20, well, 15 years, I guess. Um, I have never met someone without them immediately saying, "Oh, this is the banner." Yeah, I, was, I felt like a spy. I was. Mm. I felt it was good. That's pretty cool. It was great. It was awesome. That's wild. They didn't. They couldn't tell if I was. They, they said, "Well, these old two old ladies were like, he's either a, a chaplain of some sort or an air traffic controller." <laughs> like the, the people who are on the on the ground. <laughs> and I was like. Why? Why that? Like, I don't know. I think you're at the airport a lot. <laughs> Great. <laughs> has has the approach to ministry changed a ton in response to the divided camps? Okay. Um, I, I think it's we. I've always been really influenced by those who have talked about relational ministry as being the crux. Mm-hmm. Like that. This is the way that we um, are able to engage people with the gospel is through relationship. And so from the very very beginning, that's been a like really really key thing. Um, and now it's just more, more so because there's so much more division. There's so much more isolation and loneliness. Yeah. Um, there's much, so much more is what seems like to me lack of feeling like they belong, mm-hmm. early being seen, known, and loved. That becomes like kind of one of our our mantras is here at this community. We want to be every, everyone. We want everyone on campus to be seen, known, and loved. Mm. And even the people who don't like us. Yeah. Just but because everyone wants this, everyone needs this. Yeah. I mean, um, how many times or does someone fall into with a group of people because? in other areas of their life, they don't feel seen or known or loved. Mm. And so this is the way I can stand out. This is the way I can be unique or I can be seen. Um, so, but at the same time, uh, the questions that I try to engage with are, I think perennial, it's the same kind of situation yeah. where it's, um, everyone still is asking about meaning. I think maybe more than ever yeah. in some ways, um, really want to know about truth, even if they've been indoctrinated to the idea of what is truth or subjectivism. Um, but there still is uh, this, but yeah, the wound of trust yeah. is one that is real. And mm. so 
that can only really be healed, I think, through relationship, through like, okay, no, I am seen, I am known, I am loved. I can start trusting. So relational ministry is taking more of a center stage. Yeah. Because the world can't compete with what we have to offer when it comes to authentic, actual community of yeah. people who love and care about you. And then the answers, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's people are pill popping because of, 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 not because of psychological problems anymore, but because of metaphysical problems. Right. Like if, if, if I feel like there's no inherent meaning to life, I should probably be depressed. I should probably be anxious. And, and they are. Yeah. Right. They're showing up that way. And we have, we have the antidote. And so that's, and, and again, it's, so I, I've seen there be. A, and some, I'm sorry, I want you to tie this yeah. in right now, too, because someone asked about, you know, one of our missionaries, Joy, texted uh, that there's, what do you do for kids who you send to college who lost faith because they're hanging around atheists? How do you break back in? But go ahead. It's a great question. Um, so I'm actually kind of dealing with that a little bit on the drive here with yeah. uh, uh, talking with a, a mom and uh, reaching out to her son. And uh, I would say with every. One of the things that we've been tempted to do in the last number of years is put people into groups. Mm. And um, so identity policy, you can say like that, but I would say like, but treating people as individuals mm. is always gonna be the number one thing. So here is someone who had faith, now they're a freshman, sophomore, whatever they are in college. What do you do for them? Well, what do they need? Yeah. Like, well, what brought them to this place? That's the big question because I'm talking with, again, with his mom and I'm reaching out to the son and saying, so what is it exactly that you're wrestling with? Because I have a bunch of answers, but do you want answers or is there something else going on in your heart um, mm. that it could be like, well, no, remember the teaching about this, this, and this? And like, oh, actually, I'm just in love with this girl over here. Like, mm. oh, okay, so that's maybe some of the issues. You don't see that there's a... Look for the actual question behind right. all the questions. Look for the... Right the uh, disease that the symptoms are coming out yeah. of. And someone, and someone can be like, no, this is the... So going back to Father Tony and me down in Benke, yeah. um, we, he and I met two years ago in yeah. Detroit. He's now priest in Detroit. And uh, some, one, some of the guys he's in charge of formation of were asking, like, Father Tony, what was Father Mike like? You know, at the, and I, mentioned, I told him about that night that he gave the talk. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is true. And he said, that's not what you did. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, no. I asked if there are any questions and your hand shot up and you were like, well, how come the pre how come priests can't get married? And apparently I had this now with my question at the end of his talk on contraception was how come <laughs> priests can't get married? And, uh, and he, he said, I was looking at you going, wait, where is this question coming from? This is not at all. Yeah, yeah. And so I answered it and you're like, okay. And so apparently that was my last gasp at kind of like some <laughs> kind of like this, like, right. Just like, let me put up another wall yeah. somehow. Um, but for his you know, for, to his credit, he was like, that's not your question. And that wasn't my question. How like, awesome. It, it was just like, just to cut was, through the garbage, I'm just, man. That, that's my wall because I am worried about what might God ask me to do. Mm. And so for everybody. It's not my question, it's my wall. Yeah. Recognize the difference. Yeah. And so someone could say, well, this is the thing mm. I, I'm, I'm worried about or concerned about. I can't believe. Like, okay, maybe that is. It also could be something else. And How so beautiful. what do we do with the, the person who's gone to college? Well, see what's really happened in their life, Yeah, I think. Uh, Greg, Greg Mon said, thanks for sharing your story, Father Mike. You found yet another way to inspire us through your humanity and humility. Uh, cheers. Awesome. Um, I, I want to circle back to priesthood and kind of land on this. Uh, we, you know, we talk about st strategies in ministry and there's, and, and you know, effective ministry and effective teaching and preaching and how to read the right questions and all that stuff. And, and as a layman, like that's, that's what I'm limited to, right? There's strategies and building ministries and effective messaging and podcast or whatever there's priesthood's a next level of a, of ministry um there there's you know and the scripture talks about how jesus gave us teachers and preachers and and, and then apostles like this whoa there's something there's other category of otherness there's a power you bring into people's lives as a priest that only you can bring uh there's only a, a couple times and i'm sure there's maybe times where you think oh, i might have been nice to get married have kids there's a couple of times where I thought, man, I'd love to be a priest. One of them is outside the tomb of Jesus when a priest is inside celebrating <laughs> right. mass on yeah. the tomb of Jesus. <laughs> like, come on, can I just go inside? I can't, I can't wait for peace in the Middle East to bring pilgrims back again. Um, the other time is at someone's bedside when they're dying. And I, my, we had to cancel this when it was originally yeah. scheduled when my wife's mom died. Uh, but a priest came to her bedside and gave her the apostolic pardon. And like to hear the power of those words and the comfort that that brings into that moment. I think you see where I'm going with this. This is why you got a little teary-eyed just now, right? 
you were that at your mom's bedside. Yeah. I, I don't even know what to say, man. Like, what is that like? Being that presence of God at anybody's bedside, but especially your mom's. Can you bring me? Can you bring us to that moment? I'm sorry, that's yeah, unfairly. No, 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 uh, it's unfair just question, great. It's awesome. I just want to. No, I appreciate you because asking. Because to be that gift in that moment is is mind blowing. Yeah. No, I. Uh, yeah, you're right. And you're, your mom's amazing, by the way. I got to meet your mom many years ago. Yeah. You know that. And she came up to me before you were a big deal. It's like Chris Stefanik. <laughs> she stuck me, struck, struck me like this is the sweetest lady ever, yeah. man. Bring us to that moment. Yeah. What's it like to be um, the priest for your mom in that moment? So I remember there was a priest named Father Tom. He's in our diocese and he's a, chap, a hospital chaplain. And he's always late for stuff. Um, and I remember we had, it might have been the chrism mass, you know, all the priests are coming together. We're all lined up and he comes in and he's putting his album on. And guys are like, oh, Father Tom, you know, just on time. And what were you doing? And he said, I was, he's just very calm, he's an older priest. He said, I was just delivering a soul to their Heavenly Father. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah, that's, uh, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. That's what we get to do. That's what you do. That's your job description. So uh, that, that was Sunday night, I remember really, really clearly. And uh, my, uh, my older brother, who he was deployed at the time, he was going to come home the next weekend. And so I was like, well, I was planning on going home that night after Mass. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just wait till Mark gets back and I'll, I'll be there with him. And, so I texted my sister, the one you met earlier tonight, mm -hmm. and uh, and how does it? Oh yeah, it'd be fine. But during mass, she texted, "No, you got to get here." So mm -hmm. I see this after mass. I'm like, oh, "Okay, run to the house, pack a bag, drive over to to the hospital." You know, two and a half hours away, and I get to the hospital, and now it's I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and my mom's breathing. She can she can kind of you know acknowledge that I'm here, and mm -hmm. and my my dad's there, and my siblings were in town, and and her old last remaining brother and uh, a couple of nieces and nephews are there and hey mom da 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 and I get to anoint her and so as you guys just pray you know to anoint her and uh, which is all awesome itself but the That's apostolic incredible. pardon is a unique indulgence a plenary indulgence that um, remission I mean it's basically it's like do not pass go do not collect a hundred dollars just go to the yeah, father's arm yeah. you know oh. and uh, at, and I had anointed and that was good. But uh, you have the power to do that. It's, 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 yeah, well, from I, Jesus. So it's, I, it's crazy. I, I anointed her maybe a month before this because yeah. my mom called. She's like, bring your <laughs> I make her sound like she's a big smoker. Bring your oil. <laughs> um, she, said, she said, bring your oils. Every priest has anointed me except for you. <laughs> like, okay, mom, I'll get you. <laughs> so I, like a month before I anointed her. She was comfortable um, with oh, yeah. death, heaven, the whole thing. Oh, so she, I mean, yes and no. I mean, uh, I remember her talking. We, she had three years to prepare. She had pancreatic cancer yeah. for three years. And, and uh, and she had enough time to be able to say, okay, I'm not scared. I'm just sad. I'm missing out on X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Then she had enough time or enough relapses or enough whatever you call it, where remissions, uh, where others that she knew and was journeying with died. And she's had enough time there to be asked, why me? Like why and why am I not dead? Wow. Like the other people around me, they're so good, but they're not alive, and I still am. And God, what do you want to? What do you want me to do with for you? And why are you keeping me alive? Like, I, I'll do it. Just ask me what it is, you know? And uh, I said, enough time. And the last time we really had a long conversation was, she's like, oh, I'm not. Uh, there, there was some fear over, like, did I give God everything? And it was that sense of, like, did I miss giving him any part of my heart? Wow. What and it an was, amazing moment. Yeah, it's really incredible. So there was some fear there, but it was a fear of, does he have it all yet? And <gasps> yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, just really, really good. My dad, just so, he was so good taking care of her for the last three years. And uh, anyways, wow. so there we are that night and I give, get to anoint her and I'm like, okay, you guys, this is a big deal. Mom, I'm gonna give the apostolic pardon. And I, I think she already knew, we, we had talked about it before. And then I think I was the one time in uh, that whole prayer that I got choked up. So I'm like, these, this is powerful. This is an incredible gift because this is, who knows, in the next couple hours, this is going to be the last. Um, and so that was, yeah, incredible um, just to be able to. And then, and then to be able to be with her the next day. She waited until my little brother, he's in New York, he flew in just in time. She waited for him and my brother who couldn't make it back from away, but she got to FaceTime him. And then it was, then it was real clear that, okay, she said, got to say goodbye, told, told them all, 
that she loved him and and uh yeah and then praise god we got to be there i have, I have so many medical family yeah. that uh i'm the moron in the room who uh <laughs> who is like because she was just fighting all day like elevated mm. uh breathing elevated blood uh, uh heartbeat and uh and it's getting later like oh it's her heartbeat's coming down that's good news like, no. <laughs> all the doctors are looking at each other like he's the priest you know clearly yeah, and i'm yeah. like oh and then just matter of moments after that and so we they all read the signs so they're like come around her got to be there and just uh the number of my siblings and my dad who like cared for her body then mm. afterwards and just like well, we're gonna be here we're gonna clean her up we're gonna take care of mom um yeah super good Crazy it, it was one of those situations where the week between her death on monday and her funeral on the next monday was like a extended holiday Wow. Because every time we just kept coming back together for meals. It would kept, kept coming back together to like, let's go over to so and so's house and do whatever and pick out the readings. And, but it was just this time of like, we miss her so much. But she, this is the family she made. Mm. And so it was super good. The one thing, of course, is realizing as the week went on that um, we got to be siblings with each other and it was awesome. And my mm. brothers in law, my sister in law, but my dad had to walk that journey by himself mm. because we all lost our mom, but he's the only one who lost his wife. Mm. And so that, that was, uh, he had to walk that alone, you know, mm. which he still does. But that's a, that's a unique pain, I think. Mm. Um, Brother, just be part of it, though, is, is a gift. Oh, man. I just want to land on that. Yeah. Thank you for your priesthood. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's, an, it's incredible. Your yes to God has such, a, has such an impact on the world. But then I, I look back at, like, your, the threat of your mom and the, grace that came out of nowhere no no it's because mama's praying yeah um and the impact that that's had on the world you know and and i just want to praise god for the gift of the priesthood like i i i think of throughout my life you know it's baptized my mom and dad are there and the priest right there married me and my bride and the priest right there <laughs> you know like and when i die someday like I, I want my wife to be there more than that i want i want a priest to be there yeah um so thanks for that gift that oh, self-gift because that's it's it's been a gift to so many. And it's all those brothers we have around the world, all those yeah, fathers we have yeah. around the world who they just show up day after day, and no one knows their name, but they just show up. Mm, praise God, brothers and sisters. Thank you for watching. Subscribe, share. It feels so shallow to land on those no, kinds of words good. after a conversation like that. Um, keep saying yes to God, because you just never know where it's going to end, where it's going to go, who it's going to reach. Whether you're a guy teaching this bratty uh, college student <laughs> about humanity yeah, day yeah. or Father Schmidt saying, I'll just try a podcast. Say yes to the Lord. Thanks for your yes to the Thank Lord. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Love you, brother. Love Thank you, too. You. Yeah. God bless you guys. See you next time.